0: host Sean Lynn in the pub for a dram with friends where we talk about faith family food and fun pull up a chair and I'll pour you a drink episode 54 we are on location in Denver visiting our good friend, Dr. Ted Suri. He's going to talk to us about living virtue. Great. (laughs) All right. We're having a special episode here at the headquarters of Focus with Dr. Ted Suri. Uh, Welcome. Well, I'm at his office, (laughs) (laughs) so he's welcoming me. so for our friends out in the pub, who is Dr.
1: Ted Suri? I am a sinner, that's what Pope Francis would say. <laughs> well, not about me, only probably if he knew me, he say that, that's what he said about himself. Um, but I, I'm a son of God, I'm a Catholic, I'm a husband uh, to a wonderful woman named Beth, and uh, we have eight children from the ages of 21 all the way down to five-year-old little Eleanor. My eldest just got engaged. Congratulations. Uh, so daughter, she's gonna be uh, married uh, two December's from now. So we're excited about that. Um, I am a theologian. So I work here at FOCUS, Fellowship of Catholic University Students. So I help oversee all the outreach that we do on to serve tens of thousands of college students all across the United States here in, uh, based here in Denver. Uh, And we have missionaries that serve overseas in Europe. Uh, I also oversee our parish outreach uh, that we do. So we serve in many parishes, many different uh, dioceses, helping build a culture of evangelization and missionary discipleship in parishes. Uh, and I get to work with wonderful people that oversee our missions programs. We, we're one of the largest Catholic organizations sending people on mission trips all around the world. Uh, and so that's a big part of our mission to serve the poor. Uh, and I get to you know, be a part of the famous Seek Conference. You may be familiar with some yeah. people out there in Canada. I'm sure get to watch that online. I hope you can join us the first week of February uh, as well for. Okay, uh, so it's February this year. It, it used be, to be, used to be yeah, in but January. because of COVID and all and those yeah. things, you know, like many other conferences. Um, We're we're actually, it's it's a worldwide conference in the sense that we're going to broadcast live from here in Denver, but we have large groups of gatherings, thousands of college students in Texas, in Kansas, in Tennessee, in Idaho, all these different places, so there's going to be small groups. And you know, small groups of even just yeah. couples in the home. There'll be sometimes it'll be just you know families at a parish where we have parishes also coming together to watch it. But then the big events will be with the college students at all these different places around the country, and they'll be broadcasted too. Uh, but there'll be live speakers also going to those large events as well. Oh wow, great! On so who do you have lined up? Um, there's a fellow named Edward Street, he's going to be speaking. You know him? I know him. Yeah, he's a sinner. We talked about that before. <laughs> no, we yeah, have uh, Curtis Martin, the founder of Focus, is going to be there. Um, Sister Miriam James, you may know, she's wonderful, she does yeah. great work. Um, and many other of some, fa- all the famous kind of Catholic speakers you know, will be a part of the conference in one way or the other. That's awesome, and that's.
0: That's so important, reaching the young people, and, and how many missionaries
1: do you have out in the field right now? Uh, uh, we have a thousand missionaries, total, that are working in one capacity or other now. Many of them are you know, here doing the support for all that. Um, but in terms of missionaries out on campus, we serve on uh, over 185 different campuses. Wow. Um, and then we serve on uh, about 18, 19 different kind of parishes around the United States. Uh, as well, so that's, if you add it all up, it's over two hundred kind of venues that we're serving it. That's
0: awesome. So, are the so you've now got full time missionaries at parishes? Because I know CCO had done a bit of that, where they during the summer they go and serve at a parish. So you have full time missionaries in parishes. Yeah, we have full
1: time missionaries at parishes, uh, and they're doing the work of evangelization. Their main effort there is training lay leaders in the parish whether it's the you know just volunteers that are involved in small groups to go out and evangelize others Um, we also have people that work on a diocesan level and one of the big things we've been doing is training priests we get calls every week from people all around the united states from seminaries to bishops diocesan directors of evangelization parish ministry uh, pastors that saying you know we, we we know we need to do evangelization uh, we, we need help. <laughs> you know, we need, I have so many priests and bishops that have told me, they never trained us how to do this in seminary. And so we often will partner with seminaries or dioceses or bishops. So I was just in a, a diocese in Kansas, doing a training for all of their, their entire clergy, all on some basic principles of evangelization. And we're gonna be coming alongside them and doing ongoing training in small cohorts of their priests to, so that they can turn their parishes into real centers of evangelization, that a pastor is meant to be not just an, an administrator, a pastor is meant to be a CEO, okay. chief evangelization officer. I like e for that. for evangelization. Okay, right? Father Jonathan, I hope you're watching. Uh, yes, it's good to have a good budget and it's good to build your capital campaign and manage a staff. All that's, you know, God, God works through that as well. But the number one thing, that a pastor needs to be as a father to his people and, and that includes the people that aren't fully committed to Christ yet, that need to come along the way in their in their walk as a disciple. And so uh, you know for focus for all these years we've been training people in the art of evangelization. I'm going to show you something here. So this is a a book that we just came out with, my good friend Chris Martin and I serve as the editors of it, but really it was all of our staff in focus, the people who work in parishes, the people working work on campus coming together. And these are, and it's a summary of all of the resources we've been developing over the last 20 years. Wow. Uh, and it takes, these are tools that you use when you're accompanying someone in the art of evangelization and then training them. This is the key to train them to go out and reach other. So many ministries are all about, oh, did they come hear that great talk? And 500 people came, it was amazing. Yeah. And that's that's cool. But my big question is, if it's a success, I want to know how many of those 500 are going out and reaching others. Because they came just to be fed. They're not true Catholic missionary disciples. A Catholic missionary disciple doesn't come to just be fed. They are on fire to go out and reach others because they know how much our faith in Jesus makes all the difference in the world. So uh, that's, what, and that's what this resource is, is to train ordinary laypeople. We've used this with doctors. We've used this with lawyers. We've used this with Catholic school teachers. We've used this with priests. We've used this with young adults. And, and what we're seeing is parishes coming alive and being transformed where you, you see a culture where you have a, a, a one of the missionaries leading uh, you know maybe uh, uh, some volunteer that leads a small group and then from that small group there's someone else that has been trained then to lead uh, their own small group and then that person's going out and reaching another small group you're seeing four generations down i just don't know many parishes that are really kind of doing that kind of real multiplication of the gospel if you will uh in that way And that's well, what we're trying to do
0: and we we had a very vibrant parish in, that i and was part of or am part of and, and unfortunately covid and the lockdowns uh, have created a great need for what you're offering here because i think we're gonna have quite the job to get people back in the seats because they're they've gotten into the habit of not coming to church because of well i i shouldn't go or i can't go or i didn't get registered this week, so... Oh,
1: I know. Uh, It's so hard, you know, even now the the states are much more open and a lot of parishes have been open for quite a while now. But even here, we've seen about a third of the parishes. I'm sorry, about a third of the people that come to parishes aren't coming back. I will say my experience has been, as I've been going around, I've been speaking all through 2021. My speaking schedule has been just like it was before COVID this last year. Oh, wow. And so I've been able to see a lot of the parishes as they're opening at all. And what I can tell is that the the parishes that had a real kind of again culture of discipleship, people that weren't just coming to go through the motions or well, I, I go because my grandma was Catholic. you know like it, it's the ones that where the pastor and, the, and the, the staff are really intentionally forming people to be you know to, to really walk with the Lord, to be convicted of their Catholic faith and I, I'm willing to make sacrifices for this. Those are the parishes where I see, you know, I was just at a parish uh, in the Midwest recently and they, they said this, that, oh, they, they, didn't, they barely saw maybe just 2% drop off. And right. why is that? Is it because, you know, they, they had a great mask mandate, you know, or is it because we, we cleaned the, the, the pews, you know? You know, you know and I, don't get me wrong, helping people to feel safe, you know, I, those are prudential de- decisions on, on, on what you're going to do there. But the real reason they're coming back isn't because of those things. Yeah. It's because they already had a conviction about Christ and the truth of the Catholic faith, how important the Eucharist is, how important it is to come together around the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. And if, if and that should be a wake up call for us, if we see numbers drop off, we shouldn't blame COVID. No. We should blame ourselves that we did not really go after our children, we didn't go after our, uh, our fellow parishioners, our friends, the people in, around us to help them be convinced disciples. Because a, a truly convinced disciple, I don't care what circumstances they're in, they, they could be you know locked in prison and they're going to be still on fire for Christ and longing to receive the Eucharist, you know. So I, I'm praying for all of you up there because I know it's been a long time since you've had any sense of normalcy, uh, and and there's been, you know the longer that the people are away, the harder it is to get them back. But it, it's a reminder for us moving forward. Let's never let them get away to begin with. You reach them in the heart, no matter what a government does, no matter yeah. what next virus strain comes if if Christ is living and reigning on the throne of their hearts then well the faith will survive no matter what happens
0: and I was telling this to a police officer another police officer at
1: the stampede
0: you know when I put on the uniform and I liken it to our faith too it doesn't matter who my chief is it doesn't matter who the Pope is or who my bishop is or necessarily even who my pastor is it's what I represent in that faith it's my job to evangelize my family my neighbors like do people see the faith lived out through me because you can say lots of things it's until you build that relationship and introduce them to your friend jesus and they have that relationship right as a real person that we're gonna see the movement Uh, and you you have done such a great job of of providing great solid materials, like on the mass, and we've done many of your studies, and it's it's so helpful for us to go out and do that job.
1: Well, can I, can I tell you about my latest book? Yes, I'm, please. I'm really excited about this one, and I think this would be good, especially you know, as as we're in these COVID times, and may not be able to get the kind of fellowship together. This is a a book that I think could be really helpful for our spiritual lives. It's called The Art of Living, The Cardinal Virtues, and the Freedom to Love. It's published by Ignatius Press and the Augustine Institute. So the art of living, why do I call it the art of living, and and what is this about the virtues and all? So the the premise is, uh, the title of the book comes from something Pope Benedict said. He said, in our modern era, in our very secular age, the problem isn't simply that We've turned away from the gospel and turned away from. We don't know the faith anymore, the catechism or the Bible. That's a serious crisis. Yeah. But the but the but as secularism has grown, it's it's revealing the problems much deeper. We don't even know how to live. We don't know how to live life well. That's what Pope Benedict says. We lost the art of living. We don't know how to live friendship. Uh, in my work with young people, I see it all the time. Young people are longing. I just I need community. I'm lonely. They don't know how to live friendship. They don't know their dating relationships. All that the world is telling them about the hookup culture and open-ended relationships, casual sex is not working. We don't know how to live dating relationships. We don't know how to live marriage. I, I meet so many young couples that are like, I want to have a good marriage. My, my parents didn't model good marriage for me. I look out at the culture, I'm just so scared to get married. We don't know how to live marriage. We don't know how to raise children to be parents. How do I raise children in, the, in this world today? We, we don't know the basics of just how to live life. Uh, That's why Pope Benedict said we have lost the art of living. And the good news is, the good news is that there is a great tradition on the art of living on how to live friendship and dating and marriage and family life well. And that tradition is known as the virtues. The the, the great virtues going back to to St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Augustine, to Jesus, even in the Old Testament, Plato, Aristotle, long before Christ, they always saw that it was the virtuous life that helps you to be a good friend. And, and so one of the things I, I, the subtitle of the book, uh, so it's called the art of living, the cardinal virtues and the freedom to love. Now, why do I call it the freedom to love? It's because we need virtue to be able to love people. So, yeah. this is probably the biggest point. Cause I know I've come up a couple of times to spoken at your conferences there, whether it's for, for marriage and family or for the men's conference. And you know, so I love all the work that you that, that we're doing up there. But what, one of the key things we have to see is it's not enough to just be a good Orthodox pious, prayerful Catholic. Now, don't get me wrong, you need to be orthodox, you need to pray, you need to go to mass, all those things. But but, but I need virtue. Because no matter how much I value my wife, I may really value her and I want to love her. To the extent I lack virtue, to that extent I'm just not able to love her. Like if I fall short in generosity, if I have selfishness in me, that's not just an Edward Sweet problem. You know, I remember as a kid, I used to, in Catholic schools, hear about the virtues. Fortitude fear of the Lord. I used to have a very individualistic view of the virtuous life like it's about me and my self-improvement So I got to grow in virtue to be a better man and you know It's like badges to be a good scout for Jesus or something That's how I thought I used to think of it But now I realize it's you know virtue isn't just about me. My wife needs me to be virtuous She's depending on me growing in virtue because to the extent I'm selfish. I'm self-centered. I'm not thinking of her I will do selfish things that hurt my wife. to the extent I lack patience I will do impatient things that hurt my children. I'll lose my temper with them. That's not an Edward Street problem simply. That's a problem for my kids. I'm hurting them. I'm not giving the best of myself to them to the extent I lack courage, for example. Like, let's say, you know, here in the office, if there's like a big project given to me and there's a tight deadline and I've got to lead my team to, and they're already overwhelmed with everything on their plates and I I, I don't have courage. I'm gonna be overwhelmed myself. I'm gonna get discouraged or I'm gonna complain about management, why did they give us this? Don't they understand? My team, I'm not able to lead my team. They need me, need me to be courageous and say, Team, This is gonna be really hard, we got this extra project, I know you we weren't expecting it, I'm not sure how we're gonna figure this out, but I believe in this team, I believe we can put our minds together and prioritize, we can get this done. They, my lack of courage will affect them, mm-hmm. it, it'll hurt them. If I'm not prudent, that I don't think things through, I could like spend money in the budget and, and all of a sudden it hurts my family, and we don't have enough in savings, and so now we're getting into debt. See, my lack of virtue prevents me from being able to love. Virtue is what gives us the freedom to love. So, if we want to love God, we want to love our spouses, we want to love our children, we want to love uh, our brothers and sisters in the in the Catholic community. It takes a lot more than just pious intentions. We have to be men and women that grow in virtue. And what's sad is that most Catholics don't know the virtues. You know, you know if I if give a, a test, name the four, four cardinal virtues, like I bet ninety to ninety-five percent of the Catholics wouldn't even know what I was talking about. They couldn't list the four cardinal virtues. And then in the top percentage, like the, the core that could say, oh, I know, yeah, prudence, fortitude, and, and temperance, and justice, like, the, okay, excellent, so that, that top 5% group, they wouldn't know, okay, what are the three virtues you need to be a courageous man, according to St. Thomas Aquinas? What are the what are the, the emotions and the weaknesses, the vices that undermine you being a courageous man? What are the three virtues you need for prudence? Like, like most people don't know it. Um, thankfully, it's all there, and I, I was just, I'll, I'll close with this, Because it was very personal. Why did I write the book? It was because, you know, way back 20 plus years ago, I had to teach a class on moral theology and my, you know, my background's more in scripture. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, oh, okay, you know, and I had read Aquinas on the virtues before, but I, I never read it as thoroughly as I did that summer preparing for this class. And then I was in a new state of life. I wasn't just a single guy in graduate school. I was married, starting my career. Have one baby, another one on the way, and as I was reading Aquinas, it was like an examination of conscience. Oh wow! I was like, wow, this is what virtue is, (laughs) and I'm falling so short. And I didn't notice these weaknesses in myself, but it was so good for me because if I if I can see where I need to grow, then I can actually begin to work on it. It's what's sad is that so many Catholics just go through the motions in life. And they never they never think about, okay, I, I need to grow in virtue so I can love my wife better here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why I wrote the book. It's there to like help just the ordinary Catholic man, Catholic woman, to, to grow in virtue in their daily lives, to live marriage, family, friendship well. So when am I going to get a copy or how do I get a copy? I, 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 was, I was looking for one to give you. I don't have anyone because I just ah. gave two away ah. to somebody else that was in the office earlier this week. Oh, okay. uh, but you can go to Ignatius Press. Uh, and they'll have it there you can go to Amazon I'm sure they have okay. it there it's called The Art of Living uh, the, the Cardinal Virtues and the Freedom to Love by Edward Sri my last name is SRI um, I have a link for it on my website I don't sell stuff on my website I just have free stuff but there'll be a link on it if you go to my website just by name edwardsri.com edwardsri.com uh i also did a lot of episodes on this if you're not a reader but like you go for walks or you run or ride motorcycles, yeah. cycles um i i did i did a series in my podcast two series back way back last may and then back this uh over this, this summer back in, in august on different parts of the virtues so you can listen to it on my podcast called yeah, all but, things but catholic that might have to be part of my trip to
0: idaho falls and there you go home. yeah so, check it out so uh you talked about having a, a large family. Is does Dad have a dish that he
1: prepares for the family? Do you do any cooking, or do I do any? I do a lot of eating. I oh, okay. Am amazing, at eating. my wife is an amazing cook. Now I do like. This is funny. I do. There's a. I do like to cook if I have all the, the 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 time. So I'm half Italian. Okay. So I grew up with lots of Italian traditions. So I love being able to like make a good pasta sauce. Um, every, every Christmas. So we have this big production with all my kids. We make like over like 200 homemade raviolis. From oh, the, scratch, wow. from the dough. We put it through the machine. So I've got, you know, I, so I make the dough and then I've got the first group of kids is usually the boys and the little girls that are working and putting it through the machine. And then my more kind of like teenagers and all that are really good. They, they get the dough and then they put the, they put the filling in and then they roll it over and they cut them out and seal them. And so that, that's our big production every.
0: That's Christmas. awesome, that's <laughs> awesome.
1: So one of the segments that
0: we talk about is young men, and you work with a lot of them, are struggling today even knowing what a man is. What advice do you give your 18-year-old self?
1: Oh, well, I have a, what advice should I give my 19-year-old son? <laughs> the 18-year-old self, you know, no, I mean, my son's actually great. He's, he's in many ways more virtuous than I am. I really learned from him. He's a great kid. Um, you know i I, i'll close with this because i gotta run okay um but i I think it is this stuff about virtue actually is to if i i I, I hope that my children have just seen from our own they learn virtue mostly by watching mom and dad how they interact and have the day-to-day life of the family life um and i hope that they've seen i mean they've seen us in many unvirtuous moments and get up and say sorry and try you know again but if they can see the connection between virtue and living friendships well and that's where you find happiness, that then, like, they're gonna figure it out over time on their own as they navigate whatever challenges come their way. But if they're not convinced, if they don't see that, oh, how essential virtue is for friendship, then they can end up in dating relationships that aren't good, they can end up in a marriage, is not good. They could, you know, like that's so foundational. So it's not like I sit down and make a class on them. i me teach you all about this, you know. Yep. But, but I hope that they've seen it modeled. And then we certainly talk about these occasionally, you know, as conversation comes up. Um, but I think that's one of the most important things, you know, I tell, I always tell the young people that we serve sort of in focus, you know, are, are you in marriage prep right now? And most of them say no. I said, do you want to be married? And most of them say yes. I said, then you're in marriage prep. There you go. <laughs> you may not be in a class, but you yeah. need to prepare right now yeah. and, and live the virtues now in your friendships, in your community because that's what you're going to take for better or for worse into your marriage.
0: That's awesome. Right. Thank you.
1: So yeah, normally yeah. we
0: close with uh, a dram. a Whiskey is from a Gaelic term called Ishkabaha, which means water of life. Mm-hmm. And my prayer is that you continue to lead many souls to the true water of life. So thank you for your time. Thank you so much, Sean. Great to be with you. God bless. I hope you are enjoying this content. Please like and subscribe, share with a friend. Also, go to godsquad.ca where you can pray with us and for us and consider donating so that we can continue our mission reaching men wherever they're at.